The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. Welcome to the Arsenal podcast, um, Footballistically Arsenal. I'm Boyd Hill and I'm joined by Psychic Josh. Is with me? Thanks, Josh. Tremendous to be here. Uh, Dan Baldwin is with us. Hello. Um, Long time uh, podcast guest. Absentee. Long time Wenger Doubter, let's be fair. And genuine Arsenal legend, the Romford Pele, Ray Parler. Cheers. There you go. Do you like being called the Romford Pele? Um, I can tell you, I've got the nickname. If you Go like. on. Yeah. Um, I was training one day, as usual, ninety-seven, uh, ninety-eight. <laughs> I, was always, I was always on that training field every day. Yeah. yeah. And um, I remember going past about three players, not me, not Dennis Bergkamp. Give it nuts, Dennis, and I smashed the ball, and he went straight past David Seaman, thirty yards, straight in the top, top corner. Didn't move, David Seaman. And little Mark Overmars run past me and says, uh, you are like the Romford Pele. <laughs> wow. And I looked at him and said, you don't even know where Romford is, do you? Went, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I've heard you come from Romford. So anyway, that afternoon, he had to do the press because you took turns doing the press in them days. And it was like, you know, I did it one week. That David Seaman did it, Tony Adams. Mark Overmars' his turn. And the, and the question was to Mark Overmars, can you beat Manchester United this year? Because that was our biggest rival, Manchester United. And he said, we'd definitely win the league because we've got the Romford Pele on our side. <laughs> <laughs> and they put it in the press, and that's why they, uh, they kept the name. Unbelievable. I can't believe it. They've got, they got a horse now, Romford Pele. Unbelievable. That is brilliant. But you are actually from Romford, to be, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. I was more I'm dag- from Ilford. I, I was so. more Dagnum, really. Okay. I mean, uh, but it was, no, it was, it was, it was, uh, I was proud of that. I'm, I'm going Romford Dogs tomorrow night, to be fair. So, uh, oh, excellent. Over there. Excellent. But, um, I was going to mention, have you read this? Let's talk about the Invincibles. Um, you, you know, you're a key member of that squad, that historic squad. Mm. Have you read the current book, Amy Lawrence's book about it? No, you... no I've I, I done a piece, yeah. a few pieces in that. Yeah, uh, you're, in, you're interviewed all the way good. through. Yeah, yeah brilliant. But what you, the, one of the most interesting things about that book is, is that she has a, there's a long interview in the middle with Arsene Wenger, and he kind of pretty much singles you out among one of his favourite players of that mm. period. He, lo- he kind of clearly he loved you. Does it, 
it must make you feel brilliant that the, the legendary oh. manager, whatever you think of now, you for him, you were an absolute key I figure. Th- I think I, I, what, what I give to the team was that I was pretty consistent. I must admit, I've got probably seven out of ten. I didn't get many nines out of ten, but he probably knew exactly what I'm going to bring to the team. He knew exactly what I can do for other players. But people like Overmars and Perez and people like that, they couldn't tackle. They couldn't get, win the ball back. So we needed other players in the team to maybe win the ball back, have that little bit of. Um, um, you know, a bit more desire at times, uh, like a Patrick Vieira in that midfield. But also, I mean, I think I, I think Arsene Wenger once said to me that you was probably you know second or third name on my on my team every yeah. week because you know exactly for that reason. But you know, it's a very proud moment. I mean, Wenger was brilliant for me. I mean, eight years under him, um, he made me such a much much better player. Uh, it gives you that little bit more license to do what you wanted to do on a field. I mean, you was always a little bit. I love George Graham. I think he was a great manager, but he was always very restricted to say, okay, you know, not great football at times, but Arsene Wenger was brilliant. So, yeah, that, that's a very uh, good honour for me to have that, him say that. But, you know, he was, he was a great manager. I mean, and, and one thing about Arsene Wenger, he's on that field every single day. Yeah. He never missed a training session. It's one of them. If we, if we had a, a warm down or we was in the gym, the first team, who just played, he'd be out straight away with the other players, get, trying to get them prepared if needed. I think 97-98 proved that when Christopher Ray yeah. came into the side <laughs> yeah. and people like that and they scored goals, vital goals. Wimbledon away, Bolton away. Um, so he always, everybody knew exactly what their jobs were but Wenger was uh, great on the training field. Did he, did he change everything? Like, obviously you, when you started at, at the club 1989, George Graham was in charge and was the change from George to Wenger as big as it seemed to us as supporters? Like, it seemed like a kind of revolution in the way the club I think was. everything was changing in football. I mean... Tony Adams give up drinking, so <laughs> yeah. that, that, that was a big plus for us as well. Because uh, you know, suddenly we had to go down a bank of friendship then to have a pint, <laughs> uh, which weren't too good after a game. Uh, and you know, I think Arsenal, everybody knew. For me, it was, it was my last chance. Really, I did lose a lot of my career from going out too much. Did you? you? Know, socialising, yeah, he was always socialising. You choose the club. I, th- I thought he was the, the the thing you do. I mean, don't get me wrong, a lot of other clubs are doing it as well. But it's, it's one of them situations where you just thought, you know, uh, this was the right thing. 17 years old, you can come in a pub with us now. So that's what you did. Um, so I think it, it was a great turning point in my career. I still went out. Yeah. I'd done it at the right times. I'd done it a little bit different for what I was doing with uh, people like Tony Adams and that. And did Wenger, like, tell you or not to, to stop? To, did he actually say to you, right, you should be changing your attitudes, you should not be going out, you should not be drinking as much, you've got to change it? Did he actually well, explicitly tell you all to do that? I think I, when, I get, when I left my ex-wife, I went out a lot more, <laughs> right. and I was playing the fo- best footballer of my life. <laughs> so I don't think it was working that much. I mean, I was, I was, a couple of Monday mornings I come in, and, I, you know, I've been boozed up a little bit last night. Uh, but it was all about on a Saturday. That was the main thing for me. And I always made sure I was right for the game. Um, and, you know, I, I, think, I think everything was changing then. I mean, more foreign players were coming in. They didn't drink. And, you know, uh, and it, was, it was a situation where you thought, well, I'm in a great team now. Mm. I'm in a very, hopefully going to be a very successful team. And I want to be part of it. So you either want to be part of it or you don't. And, and uh, certainly that's what I... Changed a few bad habits, yeah. uh, but I still, you know, still had a muck about and I still went out on occasions. I think, you know, from, out, from an outsider's point of view, when you look at that Arsenal team in that era, you must have learned so much on the, on the training ground just being amongst brilliant players. Well, I'll tell you what, the, the worst thing for Arsenal was a Friday. Before game on a Saturday, we'll have an 8v8 at the end of the game and the tackles used to fly in. I mean, because... Mm-hmm. 
everybody wanted to win that APA yeah. so badly. And it was like, oh, and he, you could see his face going, oh, no, not that terrible. <laughs> and people steaming in, and he was worried about getting, people getting injured. But if you put that 16 players together as a team, then that's why you never knew when we was beaten. We never knew that if it was 1-0 down, we knew we, could, we had the, the pe- people and the players that we're going to turn this around somehow. I don't know how we're going to turn it around, but we will turn it around. And that's probably where Fengus once said that we're going to go and beat in the year before we did, because he saw that mentality in the mm. players. And probably, you know, if you're going to say it now, the men, probably the mentality ain't as much as it was then. People are talking now about whether Chelsea can or, or can't go and beat them. We were, you know, just about to enter December 12th, 13 games into the season. At what point into the season did you even think it, it's a possibility? Did it take until... Um, I, w- I would say the last eight games. Oh, the last wow. eight games, it gets to a period where you think, well, the press now really saying we can, we're going to go and beat and we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And, you know, it's one of them situations where you don't really think about it. When we went, won a league at Water Lane, which is great if you're an Arsenal fan, yeah. we had four games left. And believe it or not, the four games on paper, we should, we should be walking it, absolutely walking yeah. it. I mean, you look at Birmingham, Fulham... Portsmouth uh, away, was it? Portsmouth away, Leicester. So them four games, you really think, oh, it's but them four games were the hardest, I promise you now. Just get yourself focused, because mm. you start the season, our main objective is winning the league. Yeah. Once you win the league, sometimes you can get a little bit complacent or take the foot off the pedal. And that was Arsenal being his biggest thing, to, to keep us focused and to say, right, come on, let's, let's keep unbeaten. Chelsea, look... Going well at the moment, and uh, I hope they do get tanked soon, sooner or later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was I was hoping Sunderland at the weekend. He yeah. had a great chance. Need Johnson yeah. maybe, yeah. but you know I think I think at the moment um, I also think it's tougher now. I mean it's more it's a lot more competitive the league. You know when we when we was playing ninety eight, it was Arsenal, Manchester United, Man City was in League One, um, Liverpool weren't as good as they are now. Um, I must say Spurs weren't as good as they are now. People like that. You know, Spurs was always an easy three points for us. I mean, we should enjoy going to White Lane. Um, so I think the league is a lot more competitive now and, and harder to, to probably uh, to, to go unbeaten. Did, did um, Wenger used to tell you as a team about the opposition? It's the thing now, everyone says about him now is he just tells them to go out and play how they always do and he doesn't prepare, he doesn't like, there's no dossier on the opposition or there's not even much of a tactical thought to even, no matter who he's playing, but did he, in your, in that, in your day, did he pay much attention to the opposition? The day of the game he did. The really? day of the game we'll have, we'll be in a hotel, we go down to a meeting and uh, he'll have the flip chart and he'll, he'll put the team that he expects them to be lining up, uh, what the weaknesses are, what the strengths are. Uh, the day before, we do a lot of shadow play, like um, a team, team shape. So you really knew exactly who you're playing, uh, when we're playing. The other players will play against you. Um, probably we didn't do a lot of set plays. We've done, we done a few corners, um, for and against. As you can see, probably we don't do that many corners. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he was more worried about the players he had, I must admit. He was more worried about how we're going to play. Uh, against opposition um, because we was such a good team that if we play to our potential and how we should play we shouldn't worry about the other team anyway So do you think it's exaggerated a bit now that, that he's, this whole thing about him not ne- never tailing the team to the opposition that, or, or do you think there's some truth well, to Well as a, as a player you should know every player in, in the Premier League if I'm playing centre midfield right midfield I should know every left back I should know every centre midfield I'm playing against, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, as a professional footballer. It's yeah. like any walk of life. You should know what, what you're coming up against. Now, 
before a game on a, 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 an international game, then it's a little bit different. We used to watch videos of the other team. We used to watch, slow it down, look at that, how they play there, how they move into different shapes and, and, and whatever. So, because we don't watch them every week, do we? As, mm. a, as, a, as an English mm. player, you don't watch them every week. So I think, as a professional footballer, you know, you should know your job. You should know exactly who you're playing against and how you get the better of them. Because um, at the end of the day, you played lots of money and, and you want to be best at, best at your job. Was there any player that was disinterested in football that you've ever played with that just didn't oh, like it? There's one, there's one go player. On, you go probably, on. No, not for Arsenal, though. That's no, no, thing. anyone. I'm just really the, interested the in a professional... was uh, my last club, Hull City, uh, and the player was John Parkin. Remember big John Parkin? What, the big centre-forward? He was 17 stone. Yeah, massive lump. And I, and I was sitting there one day and he went, do you know what? If the building game, I could get this much money, I'll be a builder. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle all this work and he's running around and all that. Was he like Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm only doing it for the money. I was like, oh, all right, okay, John. I mean, he, he wasn't even on big money, but at least he was honest. I mean, you know. <laughs> didn't, didn't David Hillier tell us that he wasn't that interested, wasn't he? He was, he was like, you know, kind of, he, he did the job. Well, he, who was the main one? It was uh, Akotu, wasn't he? Uh, Tottenham, wasn't he? Left yeah. back. Yeah. Right. He said, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he don't want to play. He's not interested. Yeah. Well, he isn't uh, playing I'm, at the minute, is he? I don't think. Them, them guys, you know, I mean, I can't, I can't work that one out because football was, uh, you know, you can't beat it training every day. You know, I, I always I always felt he's like having a kick around my mates over the park. I know it's on me and Burkamp, but, you know, they're still... <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit different in that respect, but it, it was like going... You enjoyed going there and you enjoyed, you know, putting putting your boots on and getting out on that field. You can't get a better job, really, when you think about it. Look, there's pressure on you. Yeah, of course there is, but... You know, I just, I just loved every day. I mean, I, I think the day-to-day, I missed more. I do miss the games and, and going out in that stadium, that buzz of walking mm. out. But the day-to-day banter with the lads as well. After training, we have a bit of fun and having lunch together and having a bit of a laugh and going away games and mucking about. And, you know, I miss all that a, a, a real lot. Can I just ask, Ray, you were at the club for such a long time. Like, you know, 91, I think, remember your first game of the club. I signed at 12. Yeah. It, not 11 or 12. Yeah, yeah. But your first game for the first team back in 91. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, I'll give away a penalty. Yeah. I thought you should have mentioned that, Josh, but okay, I'll do it for you. Yeah. It was indeed, yeah. But can I just ask, people talk about this phrase, the, the Arsenal way, doing things the Arsenal way. Did that, what does that mean to you? Does that mean, because you, you've been part of the club so long, does that still apply? Do you think it's changed over time with the move from Highbury to Emirates? Has we, have we yeah. changed the DNA of the club? Well, there's so much tradition in Arsenal. The, the marble halls. and uh, If you ask any other player... Walking up them, mar- you know, them stairs into the marble halls. Oh, this is this is what a club, you know. It was just it was just the way it was, and uh, they certainly did have tradition. And Andy's touched on it earlier by apprenticeship. You know, apprentices had to work hard. I mean, I was I used to get the train in the morning at six o'clock, get to Highbury, set the key out for the for the first team, get on that coach another hour across country at St Albans where the training ground is now, set the kit out for the lads, get their boots ready for the first team. Then go and train yourself, come back in, you're waiting for the boots, you know, all muddy, you know, you're cleaning them. Then gather all the kit back up, back to Highbury, you get number six at night. So 12 hour days. And, you know, I, I can tell you what, I was on £27.50 a week, but it wasn't about the money, it was about learning your character, learning what you had to do, and, and, and really appreciate it when you got into that situation when you're in the first team because. You know, it was a dream come true for me to... My first ever game I went to was Norwich, 17 years old. Um, and, you know, absolutely cacking yourself, really. I mean, you're going, now you're playing in front of 200 people in the reserves. Suddenly, you're going to play in front of a stadium. And, you know, that's what it's all about. And I, I, that's, that's, that's what there probably has gone wrong in the game a little bit now. I think the apprenticeship 
apprentices think they made it before they made it. I remember Fringpong, you know, he was more on social media than he was worrying about his game. <laughs> and you know, all this like tension, this and that and whatever. Yeah. But you've got to, you've got to, I don't care what you say, you've got to play 100 games and then you can say you've made it as a professional mm. footballer. If you play five, it doesn't count. Mm. So you've got to, because you've got to work at it, you've got to keep going. And as soon as you, once you're a regular, then you can say, I am a professional footballer at Arsenal Football Club. Is there anyone in the current setup? the current team that you feel you could relate to? Is that, who was the current who, who Ray Parler? Who, who drinks? It, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Jack Wilshire. Uh, yeah, Jack, I don't relate. Likes I, 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 I mean, I've smoked. He likes a bit really champagne smoker. in the pool in Vegas. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. It's no. the end of the season, isn't it? There's yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I don't know, really. I mean, it'd uh, be interesting to see the team I played in, how many players would get in the side. I mean... A lot will get in the side. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. It's all about opinions again, isn't it? I mean... You know, I, I do like the, uh, the... I don't like the phrase that holding midfield. I know you have to... Things have changed, but I do like the midfield box-to-box. And I, at one stage, I thought Ramsey was that sort of player. You know, get back. But now, I've, and I'm going to have a word with him because he's a, such a great lad and he, he listens to you as well, that he, he tries and scores every game now, which yeah. sometimes you don't have to score yeah. every game. Sometimes you have to do a job for the midfield, sit in front of the back four, just do a job. But he wants to get forward because he's had so much... Recognition mm. by scoring goals. He, 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 he looks like he wants to do it every week now. And, and he's trying to do little back heels and, and, and stuff. Well, yeah. I'm not too worried about that. But mm. he's, when he's running into places where he, he shouldn't mm. be running, and it breaks down, and there's a massive hole. So there's certain, you know, Ramsey. I really like him as a player. I think he's done so well after his injury. But he's got that in that in that locker now to say I want to score every week. And sometimes you don't have to do that as a midfielder. Mm. Going back to uh, your, your your first period, George Graham was he as strict? kind of disciplinary as, we, as his image was? George used to fire me every other week. Seriously. <laughs> he used to love fining you. Like, he was on a lot less wages then, £250 a week, 275 It'd be 50 quid here, 100 quid there, 50 quid there. And he always wanted cash, George. I couldn't work that out. So. <laughs> <laughs> so really, I was paying for his shopping. I was paying for his shopping every week, really, George. But, but George was... Um, what he'd done for that club was amazing. I mean, with the play, players he had and what he achieved was, you know... He was he was top class. He, it was a, it was a drill session every week. It was set plays. It was everybody was organised. Everybody got behind the ball when we had to. Uh, totally different to Arsene Wenger. It was it was a lot more negative, a lot more. But he got results. That, that's what he he got. And, and you know, I think that's still one of the best games I've ever seen when they went to Liverpool. Yeah. And yeah. that you know, because it was first v second as well. I, I put that down as better than Man City. Man oh, United. definitely. Yeah. Because it's first v second, you yeah. got to go Anfield. You got to win two 0 Yeah. And the way it all went as well, Emerson tells you a great story. That when, when he said half-time, he said, we all walked in half-time, Liverpool was so good that we didn't get a kick. They said, we, I didn't, we didn't even get a kick in that first half. George Graham went, well done, lads, it's all going to plan. <laughs> and he was like, he said, what we do second half, we nick one in the first five minutes, then the last 15 minutes, we're one nil up, and then we take a gamble and try and get that winner. And Merson said, to, to, like, like what he said happened, exactly what happened. <laughs> Alan Smith scored. Five minutes in the second half, long periods that second half. It was you know they were trying to see it, and then then they took a gamble at the end, and you know amazing to see. You thought they missed a chance, but obviously um, John Barnes probably gets a lot of the blame for that. He should have gone into the corner flag yeah. And, yeah. and lost the ball in the corner flag instead of going for the goal again. And uh, that one break, Mickey Thomas, who, who plays for the Liverpool legend team now, which I can't believe, yeah. <laughs> uh, he scored the winning goal, and that was that was that was brilliant. And I remember watching that, thinking this this club is where I want to play football and. 
and, and I wanted to be there then and, yeah. and joining him in, in, the, in the great scenes. He was, he was ruthless, George, though, wasn't he? Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Paul Davis, remember him telling yeah. us that he dropped him once, that a row. He said, I, I didn't play for, I think it was two, two years. years. Yeah. yeah. It was two years he didn't well, play. It's like, it's like Andy Cole. Andy Cole was a brilliant striker, but they didn't get on. So he went, no, you ain't playing for me, son. And he went decision. on to yeah. great things and, and well, whatever. You, but yeah. I think he, he, he made his mind up very early. If you, he, had, he, he, he liked you or not. And what did he want? Work rate? What was yeah, it? Yeah, work what was rate, it? What desire, was the thing? Um, Why wouldn't he have liked Andy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not fishing for anything. No, he, he was. No, he was probably early in his career. Andy was a little bit more lazier, and he was a great goal scorer. But he just, he just didn't fit into George Graham's mould of a player. Yeah, yeah. Simple as that. And, and all managers are different. Some managers, yeah. are, are, I want that player. Some others, I want that player. And, and that's how George was. But you can't really um, deny the success he had. Were you scared of George? Uh, I think everybody was a little bit scared of him. Yeah, I think he had that. He's a totally different manager to Arsene Wenger. He would come in half time and go mad. Mm. I mean, proper swearing and throwing things around and, you know. Pinning uh, people up? Well, once Martin Keown stood up to him and he was, was going to throw his red boot at him. <laughs> and George Graham run off. He was scared of Martin. <laughs> I think everybody was, was, was going to be scared of Martin that afternoon. It was an Ipswich away, that was. I always remember. Portman Road. Um, but he was one of them sort of guys that he didn't pin people up, no. He, he wasn't that brave. He wasn't that brave, to be honest with you. Uh, but I think people respected what he got on, why he, he managed, and, you know, and, and some players loved him more than others, and, and some players obviously didn't like him. Yeah. Do you think it's, a, it's people? I was talking. People were talking on Twitter about this at the weekend. I saw they're talking about with the whole Wenger banner thing, which we talked about in the other podcast. We, a lot of people were saying people underestimate what George Graham did for the club. That those of us I'm old enough to that was my period when I started going to regularly, and it, what he did absolutely transform the club. You, you, you know, his achievement was incredible. Well, the it? most the most important one was Tony Adams. Tony right. Adams, he, he knew he could be a top class captain yeah. going forward and he put him as captain 21 years old yeah. which a lot of managers wouldn't have done they would have said no he's too young let's, let's get someone else in so I think he knew he could, he could identify someone who's going to be a leader he can, he can identify someone who's going to be here longevity and, and play on a regular basis and Tony Adams and, and you look at Tony Adams career he made so many mistakes early in that career yeah. but he rectified it he learned from the mistakes so I think George was um, a, a manager that he brought in Nigel Winterburn, Lee Dixon, got them playing as a unit. Yeah. Steve Bowles was a great signing. Some of the signings he made was, was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, uh, you know, George in that era was probably one of the best managers around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's also an argument there that he was loyal because, with, you know, in this day and age, if you went to jail for drink driving, I don't think Arsenal Football Club as a PR thing could allow you to remain captain. Is that good you are? Do you think that, do you, hang on, let's be honest. If Metasaka, well, if Metasaka or Arteta, say one of the two, the captain or the vice captain of the club, went to jail for four months for drink driving, they'd never be allowed to remain captain now in this day and age, would they? Well, I, I've, I don't know. I don't think they're going to do that somehow. Though. I mean, it's a little bit different era again. Um, but he was loyal, was the point? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think Wenger's more loyal than George Graham. Wenger's really loyal. Wenger's very loyal. Yeah, I mean, true. look at Aladier, people like that. That was yeah. eight years there. Yeah. They didn't even play, did they? Yeah. But loyal to a fault, Loyal really. to say, yeah. OK, we're going to keep you in the squad and keep you involved. Yeah. And <laughs> so I think, I think Wenger's a very loyal man. I mean, he'll always stick behind the players who do well for him. Um, and, you know, it's, that can be good and bad. Yeah. Did bad. Wenger ever lose? You said they completely Oh, he lost a plot. Only, he? only once, though. Um, when we was 5-1 down at Old, Old Trafford. Yeah. Half time, yeah. uh, and I remember it was one all, and then Dwight York and Andy Cole were running mm, right. Yeah. They really were. Stepping off, Stepping off. Oh, Igor Stepping off. 
Uh, he, he was running right and uh, five on half time. And I, do you know when you're sitting in the dressing room, and it was, it was a weird situation because you, you didn't expect it. You walked in, look, with five on down, you're expecting something to happen, but not the way it did. And he was trying to swear in. And, and some people, it suits, isn't it? George Graham, it suits. Yeah. So Alex Ferguson. But some, some way, it didn't suit him. And do you know when you're sitting there... <laughs> And you don't want to look at anybody. Because <laughs> if someone laughs, we're all going to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the scene in like, Life of Brian, you know, when some bickers dickers and, you yeah. know, and they try not to laugh. But if someone looks at someone and, and that's it, one goes, the whole lot goes. And he was trying to have a go at us, really. But that's the only time I've really seen him have really? a go. And there was one occasion with 2 0 down at Highbury, to Aston Villa, and people were pulling out of tackles. And, and I always remember he was going to have a go. Uh, no, sorry, Pat Rice coming and had a go because Pat Rice was a, right. a man that, you know, yeah. he bore, he's one of the sort of characters that if you pull out tackles, you can't do that without an Arsenal shirt on. And he went to have a go and, and Arsenal Wenger went, shut up, Pat. Keep it wow. going, lads. Keep playing the way we're playing and wow. we can get back in this game. And what happens, we've been free too. So there's certain characters in the dressing room where you can have a go at them yeah. and they respond. Yeah. Yeah. There's other characters, if you have a go at them, they go, oof, don't want the ball in. And probably Perez was one of them. Where really? you, you've got to let him get on with it and, you know, keep going, Robert. Don't, don't worry about it because, you know, some players have different mentalities mm. and, and, and different uh, characters. So I was certainly one that you could have a go at and you can respond. Other players wasn't. And from what you hear, do you think he's, has he changed? Because we see him on the, on the touchline, he's swearing. He gets really frustrated and he's swearing. But do you think he's the same with the players now, that he doesn't really lose it much? He's very calm? No, I, I think what he does, what he done <coughs> when I was there, and I'm sure he hasn't changed, is um, he'd always look back at the video, what happened in the game oh, itself. Right. And then Monday morning, we'll have a big meeting. Right. So we'll all be in the stressing room and it'll be bang, bang, bang. What happened there? What happened there? What happened there? And he want feedback off you guys as well. So... What happened at the back? And we say, well, that, that wasn't right. The midfield wasn't covering it. Right, okay, what, what happened to you then? And, and I think he'd want that. And he'd want the, the input of it and, and, and try to put it right. Because a lot of it's between us. Yeah. The players have to sort it out as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not always the man, down to the manager. You left Arsenal just after the, the most incredible city. I mean, it absolutely... I just after my incredible divorce, but yeah, OK. Yeah. <laughs> it was, that was something to do with it. After an incredible that season. That was something to do with it. When you're part of, a, you know, something that, that perhaps yeah. will never be done again. Was there ever an opportunity where you attempted to leave before that? No. Were, were, you know, that people must have come in and shown a bit of interest. You were around we, the England you know squad. Who tried to buy me years ago, Real Sociedad after the Real game. Real Sociedad, yeah, ninety-five was it? Because uh, I had a pretty good. I couldn't lo- see you there. We lost you. No, I couldn't <laughs> see me there. Uh, Tapas and uh, Sam Miguel. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. I didn't like Sam Miguel at the time, so I don't go yet. But yeah, they, they tried. But I was always. Um, I said, why would I want to leave? I mean, it took me such a long time to get into the first team. Then you want to stay as long as you can. Um, the only reason you leave is for money, really. And I remember getting offered a lot more money, and I said, no, I, I, I want to stay here. And, you know, I remember 2000 as well. People like Sunderland, they had loads of money to spend. They were going to treble my wages. But I said, no, look, I, Steve Bowles just gone there himself. Yeah. Yeah. And he must have said to Peter Reid, look, get way along as well, and whatever, whatever. And, um, but I said, no, look, I'm, I'm, in, I'm playing with the best players around at the moment. I'm winning trophies. And at the end of the day, that is the most important thing. You can always walk away, finish your career, lots of money. But I always think, what did you win as a, as a player? Well, I was so going to mention I was, very, I was very lucky to <coughs> you, win. Let me just, let's just say, you won three FA Cup, three Premier League titles, four FA Cups, the League Cup and the European Cup Winners' Cup. Mm. Out of all of those games, what was the most memorable game? Uh, it's got to be the Cup final goal, really. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that you know you, you can't. I, I was like, uh, yeah, I was, yeah. 
it's probably right, really, when you had Omri and Bergkamp and people like that, yeah. much more talented than me. But, I mean, to play in five FA Cup finals was a real honour, but to score in one was amazing. I mean, you know, you can't get a bigger buzz than that. Um, and that was probably one of the best weeks of my life because on the Wednesday, we had to go to Old Trafford to win up there and win the double, or at least a draw. Yeah. And we went up there, beaten one near, Will Tord scored, and you can't get a better week. No, you can't. I mean, you know, that is, that is what you play football for. You play for the big top sides for. Uh, so that, for me, was the best week. But, you know, I've been very lucky to play so many. 97, 98. I mean, Tony Adams scoring that left foot goal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I'd always have that in my, in my brain and say, people ask me about best goals and that, and I just always say, Tony Adams, that, that left foot half folly, that could have gone anywhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and how he got it caught it so sweetly. And, and look at the build-up to the play. Steve Bowl set him up. Yeah, I'm thinking, did, oh, yeah. unbelievable. Well, so, mean, you couldn't make this up. You really couldn't make this up. Um, so a couple of... Really quick questions. Best player you've ever played with? Well, it's a flick of a coin, uh, Omri or Burkamp. Um, I certainly go with Burkamp slightly. Uh, Wenger would always say Omri. There's, there's probably a split in the dressing room. We played with both. Uh, but I just think that when Burkamp come in to the club, 96, uh, I must admit, Bruce Root brought him in, he just changed the whole philosophy of everybody. I mean, the way he trained, the way... He, looked after himself, way, you know, even after training, we'll be finished and we'll be walking in and he'll be on his own with a bag of balls, practising. Not just to get better, to keep the same levels. Just chipping balls onto bars and things like that. And we was all looking around saying, he's a much better player than us, why aren't we practising more? <laughs> yeah. So I think he changed the whole philosophy of everybody's thinking of, of we, this ain't enough, just training, we've got to do this, we've got to do that, we've got to play that a little bit more, we've got to you know, look after ourselves a bit better. So I think Dennis, in that reason, uh, was a change a little bit mm. towards that. But Thierry Henry as well, at times, he was unplayable. I think one of my proudest moments was, was captain of the team that went to San, San, um, San Siro, mm. 5-1 into Milan. They, yeah. they beat us 3-0 at Highbury, and really we didn't have a lot of chance. I mean, we was going to San Siro, we had Burkamp out, uh, obviously, because he didn't fly. And Patrick Vieira, who was injured. So me and Edu played centre midfield. <laughs> He's a good Carnu. player, Edu. Yeah, he good was player, a very good player. Carnu up front yeah. with, um, with, uh, no, with Henri, Perez on, on one wing and Freddie Lundberg on the other. And we didn't really expect a lot. And the Italians didn't expect us to win because they had their best, two of their best players out. But we went there and we was unbelievable. And who, who I mean, Henri was unplayable. I must admit, he was... Yeah. Um, yeah. And who, who was the most overrated player? Ooh. Well, <coughs> you know when you went into training, you, you know, went, oh, you know, you? No, no, well, come on. No, I tell you what, I tell you what, who, who uh, was the best train I've ever seen in training? Uh, Alberto Mendy, you remember him? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like Maradona, seriously in training. <laughs> he would turn you inside out, and you think, Gee, this guy's got to play. He's so good. Then you put him on the field on a Saturday, and he was useless. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't handle the pressure. One bad pass. Who's this guy? Oh, I've done the ball. Last, last question. Who was, who was the most boring? You got stuck in a corner with him, and you were like, oh, fucking hell, here we go. Um, Martin would talk a lot about pensions. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Keogh? Yeah. Yeah. I think now he's a top pundit. Martin was brilliant now. I love Martin. Yeah. Martin was them sort of guys. You want, you want him in the wall with you. Yeah. I t- I'll tell you a great story with Martin. I don't do I'll do be after speaking, but I'll do one story. It's a good one. Um, this is the unbeaten season. This is when uh, Van Nistelrooy. Remember we jumped up, bang, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. elbows him. I yeah. got fined ten grand. He got done twenty. <laughs> he, he, he played the first six games that season, and we win the league at Water Lane, like you remember. And we got four games left. And Martin was like, "This is the lads. I went, lads. I'm not going to. Pl- I'm not, I'm not going to get a medal because you've done play ten games in the Premier League. You don't get a medal. Mm. Simple as that." 
So the lads were going, Martin, you deserve this could be your last season. He was 35, 36. He said, look, next big meeting we'll have, put your, put your, put your uh, thingy down and, and put your hand up and ask Arsene Wenger. OK. So we had a big meeting, puts his hand up. Uh, boss, can I just ask you something? Yes, Martin, what is it? And uh, he explained the situation. He said, Martin, you deserve it. We'll put you on the bench. For the next four games, we put you on for 30 seconds every game. <laughs> but when you come on, don't touch the ball. <laughs> Right, so, so like clockwork, it, this is what happened. 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. At one time, I think Portsmouth game, he, he's going to forget, he's going to forget. It's a, it's a minute, minute left. What was he doing? So we get to the last game of the season, we're playing Leicester, obviously, at Highbury. And um, the suspects that day, Sylvain Wiltord, Edu, myself, Martin Keown, and Stuart Taylor was our goalie sub. So Jens Lehmann pulls his hamstring, he comes off half-time, that's one sub used. Moves one nil down. Paul Dickoff, one of our ex-players, scores the only goal. So Arsene Wenger's not. He ain't gone like he did at Man United. He said, lads, what an opportunity to unbeaten. Right, I'm changing the system. Sylvain Wiltord, you're going up front. So we're playing now Henry, Burkham, and Wiltord up front. That's two subs used. <laughs> so now I'm on the bench, 1-1, 2-1 leading. We're going to cruise into to go unbeaten, which is fantastic. And then Martin Cameron sitting next to me and he nudges me. Poof, poof. He says, uh, hey, do you think he's forgot to put me on? I need this for my medal. I said, Martin, the managers are walking his ass. They forget everything. Go and warm up in front of him so he knows you're still sub. <laughs> Good idea. So he takes his bottoms down. He stands right in front of us and Wenger starts stretching. He's doing all this. And you can see Wenger going, get out the way, Martin. <laughs> so next minute, he runs up and down the line. The North Bank is singing his name. There's only one Keown. There's only one Keown. I think this will be the best one I've ever done in my life. I take my bottoms down. <laughs> <laughs> and as he's clapping the fans, I'll sprint behind him. He's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm going on, Martin. You can't. He's put two subs on already. <laughs> now, he wants to kill me. I said, Martin, fingers your warm up. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> so we run up and down the line. And he's slower, all looking at us, going, what are they doing him to? <laughs> Next minute, I say, I'm just going to go to the toilet, Martin. I'll be back. As I run down to the bench, I take my jumper off. I've got my full kit on. Fingers still watching the game. He ain't got a clue. <laughs> So next minute, Martin Keown runs down this line as quick as I've ever seen him run. <laughs> Arsene Wenger stands up to say something and Keown gets him around the neck and starts strangling him. <laughs> and I'm like that. Oh no, he's got, I'm going too far, yeah? And all there was, get off Martin, get off, what are you doing? <laughs> Boss, you can't put him on, you can't put him on. So anyway, <laughs> he does get on for his 30 seconds and after the game, Arsene Wenger says, I want a word with you. I'm like, oh no, what's he going to say to me? So he said, what do you say to Martin? He tried to kill me on the side of the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I told him the story, and he went, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and I said, all these French journalists. And then, this was the sort of character Martin was. All of a sudden, he'd come out of the showers or something, and he went, I knew he was winding me up, you know. I said, what's, what's special is that in our Martin? And then you've got the manager around the neck, strangling him. So that's the sort of character Martin was. But that is brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. That is incredible. Um, but he did get his. He did get his medal. That's amazing. He did get his medal. We had a. I want you to. Ask, we're going to throw him into the to the uh, yeah, audience course, in a minute. Yeah. But I want you to ask about a couple of players. Oh, we had incredible characters. Though. Freddie Lundberg. He was interesting, wasn't he? He was doing Calvin Klein pants yeah. ads and this, that, and the other. He, didn't get, he didn't get me none. Unbelievable. <laughs> what was he like as a player? Freddie was, he was all right. He had some dodgy gear. I mean, we used to hang it up and things like that. And you know, he had all his chains around his jeans and I don't know. But, yeah. Uh, but Freddie was a good player. He was, he was, yeah, he was, he was one brilliant. of them sort of players, always timed his run to perfection. Mm, yeah. Got in the end of some really... And key games as well, Manchester yeah. United. And, you know, he always, always seemed to score against Manchester United at the time. Uh, but Freddie done a good job for you in, in the team. Um, yeah, his legs went in the end. He went to West Ham, didn't he? And, yeah. uh, 
you know, his career went probably down. He played a little bit abroad, but you know, at the time he he signed. Uh, but he, he was he was he was a, a player that done really well, and you know, he had a great career as well. And Paddy Vieira, obviously, uh, legendary figure. I mean, there's the whole first we have to talk about the whole Manchester United pizza situation. That that whole incident. What was your what was your view of that at the time? Well, we all had lots of battles. Um, I think it was pepperoni, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Fabregas it was when he threw it. And because uh, what happened with Manchester United, you always had a trolley coming down the, the corridor into the away dressing room about the time he yeah. was coming back in for the food. It was like, done after games, which I saw Arsenal done it to them when they went to Highbury. But and I think it was just a, a game that. You know, I wasn't there at the time, 206, I think it was. Yeah. And uh, it's blown out of proportion, and, and probably the food was there to chuck. And, and there it was. Proper food fight in the, uh, in the tunnel, which is great. I mean, yeah, I, I, you can't beat that. I would have been well involved in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gutted, you missed it. I was gutted about that, yeah. yeah. So, so um, being the age I am, the sort of seasons I remember, mid 90s onwards, but I looked at the stats. The season you played more than any other season was the 98 99 season, the season you scored more goals than any other as well, which actually. It's arguably the most horrible of all Arsene Wenger seasons. The double. In terms of Arsenal should have won the double, Man United won the treble. Is, is that how you still look back I think, on it? I'm sure I played 36 games in 97, 98. And that would have been more, wouldn't it? Or not? In, in a league well, look, itself? I mean, Wiki- <laughs> Wikipedia's not what it was. Oh, well, OK. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I know no, the season no, no, you mean. No, no, 98, yeah. 99, when Burkamp had that penalty last kick of the game. Oh, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and we always we, we asked the referee, he said, what's, what's happening? He said, this is it. Once he takes his spot kick, if it goes in, game's over. If he saves it, game over. He's like, oh, come on, Dennis. You don't let us down now. And you know what? He didn't speak for about a week, Dennis. He was so, yeah, really? oh, he was so distraught about it all. And then, obviously, 99 as well. We need to get a point to win the league. Leeds away. Uh, they scored last minute. Hasselbank, who I played with at Middlesbrough in the end. Yeah. Um, he scores the only goal. Nelson Vives come on. Uh, yeah, substitution cool. for Nigel. Didn't really concentrate on the back post. And that's, that's how fine line it is. But if, you, if you're going to talk about that, then you can talk about unbeaten as well. Because yeah. we, at Old Trafford, they had a penalty, last kick of the game. Yeah. 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 He hits the bar, we end up going unbeaten. So, yeah. you know, that's how close it is. Yeah. What's what's uh, what, yeah, how, far, how, how many is Chelsea now? It's 20, nine, how many 20 or something, isn't it? 20, 29 is it? Is it that uh, many? I don't know. How many is it now? Unbeaten. Quite a few. They're not going to, they won't so stay unbeaten. We're all getting a little bit worried. I'm getting a little bit yeah, worried. Yeah, they won't Chelsea. stay unbeaten, though, will they? they we need they, John Terry getting injured and Cahill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and in terms of that unbeaten, what, did you realise when you went at the end of it, when you'd gone unbeaten, the, what an incredible, massive achievement it was? Did, did you kind of. Did it, did it hit home? Just how Well, I think was. the main thing was winning the league first and then, you know, that, that was an extra bonus really. But, yeah, it's remarkable to go unbeaten because you always have one or two bad games. Yeah. And we did have plenty. We drew 12 games that year on the unbeaten season and we had loads of opportunities where it was 1-0 down and, you know, maybe a little bit of luck went our way when Perez jumped over the summer's league and got the penalty, yeah. Portsmouth. But sometimes you just... I, I don't think... That's, that's talking about the mentality of training again when we play an 8v8. No one knew when you were beaten. You always knew you'd get a chance with Omri up front uh, in here, take it. Burkamp as well. And, and, you know, we always was very confident that we could always score mm. goals. Uh, and it's just keeping him... Up, up, keeping, um, obviously, them not scoring at the other end. And, and we had two top-quality stri- uh, centre-half centres, Old Campbell, Colo Torre. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and, and that was really... And when you look at it, it Wenger really changed about two or three teams there yeah. during, his, during his reign at that time. You know, with a back four, obviously went on and to get other players in. And, and you know, so... Who, I was going to ask you, who were your best mates that you made at Arsenal? Oh, definitely Tony Adams. 
Yeah. Taught me how to drink, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> 17 years old, but no, he was my best mate. He was my local guy as well. And uh, probably one of, one of the best stories about Tony was uh, he, he stitched me up on my first ever trip to Arsenal. I was 17 years old. I had to go up on a train in the end because someone was injured. The late Dave Rocast, all the top guys. Dave O'Leary played from then as well, people like that. And I remember getting there and I going into this big room and Tony was there. He said, all right. He said, you've got to do a speech today. I'm Skipper. You've got to do a speech. I think, oh, no. So you've got to stand in front of all the first team. You're nervous anyway. And do just say thank you for me being here and this and whatever. And thank the... but, but Tony tried to give me a bit of advice. He said, just say something about George Graham's the boss's tank top. He loves people talking about his clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, and I was a bit vulnerable. I went, oh, it's so nice one. Thanks for helping me. So I stand up and say, oh, I'm really, really honoured to be here with all you great players and this, that, whatever. I'll, this is my dream come true, travelling with Arsenal. And by the way, boss, we really like your tank top. And his face was like that. <laughs> and all the lads went, no, no, he said it. I can't believe he said it. <laughs> so Tony was trying to stitch me up there. George Graham's face, though, he, he, he went crazy. He was, like, he was like, don't talk to me about my clothes. He thought he was right cool, didn't he, George, every single week. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, well, I think we're coming to the end of this, this podcast, Ray. Thanks so much for coming. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Josh. Um, and uh, just thanks so much to Ray Parler. Absolutely yeah, amazing. Thank you. Thank you. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.